Provide for the needy. Receive all who come to thee in sincerity and make us fit to be partakers of thy heavenly kingdom. For the sake of Jesus Christ, our divine mediator and advocate. Amen. One of the greatest hymns of the church we call the Old Rugged Cross. During this program today, let us sit down and watch, as it were, the touching scenes of our Lord's crucifixion on Calvary, that place made sacred by the sacrifice of Jesus. Then let us be willing to bear our cross as Jesus bore his. Now the King's heralds sing an old song, the Old Rugged Cross. On a hill far away stood an old suffering and shame, and I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last of prophecy. His subject, Faces About the Cross. For a few minutes, let us look at the faces about the cross. 
Our Savior was crucified near the gate of the city and therefore near a road, no doubt, the main road leading north out of Jerusalem. It was a place where many passing by beheld him. And there were many who stood by to see the sight, as we read in Luke 23:48. There were also present the rulers and priests, the four soldiers, the two criminals, Simon of Cyrene, who carried the cross, many women, including the mother of our Lord, his aunt, Mary Magdalene, and Salome, the apostle John, and many of Christ's acquaintances. Someone speaking of these faces about the cross called them cameos of Calvary. And so they are, never to be forgotten pictures. In them we see reflected every attitude of man toward Christ. Just look at them. There they are, the ones who hated him, the ones who loved him, the ones who were ignorant and the ones who didn't care, and then the mob of curiosity seekers and those who swing with the popular tide. So we may call these faces about the cross the hateful watchers, the loving watchers, the blind watchers, the careless watchers, and the mob watchers. They were all looking at Jesus, lifted up between earth and sky. That was the world then, and it's the world now, as it gathers about the cross. First, the hateful watchers. Among the faces about the cross were those who hated him, especially the chief priests and scribes and elders, as we read in Matthew 27:41. Notice they did not stand up close to the cross and talk to Jesus. They stood apart from the common people. They despised these people, and they talked about Jesus, not to him. They personified religion. They were acquainted with the prophecies of Scripture and should have welcomed Christ with joy. Our Savior once said to these scholars of sacred things, Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. John 5, 39. It has been said that the worst is a corruption of the best. What is more kind and merciful than true religion? And what is more unkind and more merciless than hatred that calls itself religious? These men came to witness the long, drawn-out agonies of the one they had condemned. We hear these dignified movers of the ignorant crowd talking among themselves and those within hearing. What do they say? It's written here, Matthew 27:42. He saved others himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. He saved others. That's certain. And these bitter enemies do not deny it. But he did not save himself. That's certain too. Himself he cannot save. In one sense, this cannot was true. Not from a lack of power, but from fullness of love. Our Savior did not save himself from agony and death because he would not. His sacrifice was voluntary. No man taketh my life from me, he says, but I lay it down of myself. John 10, 18. When blind Samson was called to make mirth for his enemies in the temple of Dagon, he groped with both arms for the pillars of the temple, and then bowing himself brought the Philistines, their temple and idols, down in death and ruin. So our great Savior, with his arms spread out upon the cross, grasping with one arm the pillar of sin and with the other the pillar of death, the two mighty supports of the kingdom of Satan bowed himself in death and brought that kingdom of rebellion down in hopeless ruin. He saved others, but himself he could not, would not save. The next words of these watchers show that they held the same idea as many who look at the cross today. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. You see, they wanted a crossless Christ, a bloodless gospel. 
The words of Annas and Caiaphas and the others there were modern words. Let us believe what we want to believe, and we will believe. We will accept a leader, but we desire no savior. But it was precisely because he did not come down from the cross that sad and sorrowing and sinful hearts turn to him from the ends of the earth and cry, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Galatians 6:14. When in 1825 Sir John Bowring, then governor of Hong Kong, visited the Portuguese colony of Macau, he saw the ruins of a great cathedral standing on the crest of a hill. It was one of the first buildings erected by the colonists. Under the assault of a typhoon it fell, all except the front wall. It has never been rebuilt, and the heavy facade has stood there for 300 years. On top is a great bronze cross which has defied rain, lightning, and typhoon, towering over the wreck of the past. It had stood there over those ruins, silhouetted against the sky for more than a hundred years before Bowring's time. And when he saw it, he sat down and wrote, In the cross of Christ I glory, towering o'er the wrecks of time. All the light of sacred story gathers round its head sublime. And friends, as long as the church holds up to a dying world, Christ and him crucified, the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. Should we not as ministers make 1 Corinthians 2 to our motto? For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. Suppose God the Father had taken his son down from the cross. What would have been the result? Redemption unaccomplished, salvation undone, the work of Christ unfinished. This would not have been deliverance but defeat. Our Savior went on with his great purpose of atonement and having accomplished it, slept a while in the tomb and now has ascended to his throne in heaven. Yes, God delivered him. He came forth a victor over sin and death forevermore. And friend, he will deliver you from the guilt and the penalty and the power of sin if you will have Christ. If you will have him, he will deliver you now. Next we come to the loving watchers. Among the faces about the cross we see those who love Jesus. It has been said, Fidelity, thy name is woman. And so it might have been said of those four women who were not far from the cross. The mother of Jesus was there. Aided by the disciple John, she makes her way through the jeering crowd right to the foot of the cross. Now she knows the meaning of those strange words spoken by Simeon when she took the Christ child to the temple so long ago. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also. O mother of mine, forsake me not. To labor and die is my lot. But the day is dark, and the air is chill, and the cross is raised on this lone hill. There is never a one to take my part while the sin and the sorrow break my heart. They have lifted me up against the morn, and the crown they gave has many a thorn. They pierced my hands, and they pierced my feet. Gave hatred for love and gall for sweet. Behold, O woman, this son of thine, mother of mine, O mother of mine. And so the sword of sorrow pierced, but Christ's mother was there by her son in his dying hour. Yes, she was there beside the cross. Salome, mother of James, and John was at the cross too and looked on with heartbroken sympathy. Like Salome, Mary, the wife of Clopas, was the mother of two of Christ's disciples. 
James the Less, and Joseph. Inspired by the faith of her son, she mourned his death on the cross. The third Mary at the cross was the woman who loved much because she'd been forgiven much. Besides these four, there were other women present. The disciple John was there, close to the cross, as well as other followers of Jesus called his acquaintances. Was Joseph of Arimathea among them, and Nicodemus? Most likely. All these faces about the cross were faces of love. These watchers did not understand the terrible scene, but they loved Jesus. Their faith was tested. Their hope was almost gone, but they loved him. And the greatest of these is love. Next we come to the blind watchers there. Among the faces about the cross, we notice those who were spiritually blind. Utterly ignorant they were as they watched the supreme event of the ages. To them it was just another execution. Some took part in it. The four soldiers, no doubt heathen from a foreign land, simply obeyed orders when they drove the nails. Then, tired from their exertions, they sat down and watched him there. The men who caused the most physical agony to our Lord were the least responsible because their knowledge was so small. Father, forgive them, he prayed, for they know not what they do. Men are responsible for the light they have. In James 4, 17, it is written, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. In those uncomprehending faces about the cross, we see the millions who have neither love, nor faith, nor hope. Today as then, the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. John 1, 5. But one heart was there at the cross, open to the light of heaven, and one the least expected. Into one face came the light that never was on sea or land. The poor thief said, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom, and there and then had the promise of a place with Christ in paradise. The centurion who was busy with his official duties was there, but when the darkness came down and the rocks rent and the Savior cried out with a scripture on his lips, he saw the light too and said, truly this was the Son of God. We come next to the careless watchers. The scripture calls them they that passed by. They took a look, but they didn't stay long. They went on about the little things of life, into the city to buy and sell, into the country to work or visit. They were the passing throng. Look at their faces. The interest of curiosity is there. Like Moses, when he saw the bush on fire, they seemed to say, I'll now turn aside and see this great sight. Simon of Cyrene was just passing by when he was drafted. That's the word in the original, drafted, against his own desire to carry the cross. And what at first was a burden became a blessing. Are you, radio friend, just passing by now? Stop a moment and look at your Savior crucified for you. One day early in the 18th century, the artist Stenberg walked to the marketplace and was attracted by the face of a dancing gypsy girl. He invited her to his studio where he used her as a model for his painting, The Dancing Gypsy Girl. The little girl was much impressed with what she saw there and watched with interest as the great artist worked on his painting of the crucifixion. One day she said to Stenberg, He must have been a very bad man to have been nailed to a cross. No, the artist said he was a good man, the best man that ever lived. In fact, he died for all men. Did he die for you, asked the girl in simplicity. This pointed question pierced the artist's heart, for he had not surrendered to Christ. Soon after this, he chanced to attend a meeting of the reformers and was converted. Then he went back to work on his painting of the crucifixion. Not only with the skill of an artist, but with the love of a believer in Christ. When the masterpiece was completed, it was hung in the great art gallery at Dusseldorf. One day a young German count, wandering through the gallery, paused before Stenberg's crucifixion. He seemed frozen to the spot. He looked and looked again, and what he saw moved him greatly. 
Did he notice the words written under the painting, All this I did for thee? What hast thou done for me? A great change came over the young nobleman, and Count Nicholas Zinzendorf, for such it was, went forth to found that noble missionary brotherhood of the Moravians who have carried the gospel to many lands. And so we say to you, What hast thou done for me? I gave my life for thee My precious blood I shed That thou might ransom me And quicken from the dead I gave, I gave my life for thee What hast thou given? come to the mob watchers, those other faces about the cross, angry, distorted faces, the faces of the mob, people who follow a multitude to do evil, as we read in Exodus 23, 2, to do evil or to do good, the mob-minded people. They're swayed by the spirit of the times or of the hour or of the moment. About a week before, the crowd had shouted, Hosanna in the highest as Jesus rode triumphantly into Jerusalem. But now they cry, Crucify him! And they mock him upon the cross. No doubt many of the same people who were in that crowd singing hosannas were now in this mob, crying, Crucify him! How often has it been sadly true that a crowd swayed by strong leaders will do what they would never do as individuals. As you pray in these latter days, think of those faces about the cross. Our whole world was there. In those faces of hate, of love, of blind indifference, of careless curiosity, and of popular emotion, we behold the attitude of everyone in this old world as we all gather about the cross of Christ. But... Where do we belong? What sort of face is yours? What sort of face is mine? Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. John 21, 32. Oh, radio friend, may God help us to respond to the love of our Savior who died for us, 
and who with loving kindness draws us to himself as we find ourselves among those faces about the cross. Kneel at the cross, Christ will meet you there. Come while he waits for you. Listen to his voice, leave with him your care, and life begin anew. Faith in God, on land or on the sea. Have faith in God, wherever you may be. Have faith in God. He cares for you and me. Have faith, dear friend, in God. Breathe out my 
bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.